You are listening to Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Emotional Inclusion Podcast. Emotional inclusion is a call to all companies to take a stand and realize the urgent need to invest in a trained professional in their organizations to address the emotional state of their employees, and particularly those who need to be reintegrated into the workforce post trying circumstances. Over my decade and a half long career in the fashion industry and listening to hundreds of stories of people who have navigated work whilst facing the perfect storm, I realized the urgent need to advocate a safe platform in the corporate world where emotions can be heard, recognized, and dealt with for an enhanced business productivity. I invite you to tune in as I share practical wisdom and empowering conversations with influential leaders to break down archaic business stereotypes and lead the way to a better emotionally accepting corporate ecosystem. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast is here to shatter the status quo of today's business landscape and lead the way to a wholesome new mindset in the workforce. Hi, I'm Maya Hari. VP and Managing Director for Twitter Asia-Pacific, and you're listening to the Emotional Inclusion Podcast. Today's guest is Maya Hari, current Vice President at Twitter in Asia-Pacific. Maya is responsible for building Twitter's business across the region. Prior to joining Twitter in 2014, Maya spent over 15 years in the digital media, mobile, and e-commerce industries across the U.S. and in Asia Pacific for brands such as Samsung, Google, Microsoft, and Cisco. She was also responsible for launching and bringing internet and mobile offerings to top-tier publications such as Vogue, GQ, and Condé Nast Traveler in Asia. Maya holds an MBA from INSEAD and an MS in engineering from Utah State University. Maya is the powerhouse of a woman, a mover and shaker in the tech industry, and is a pioneer in rolling out emotional inclusion at Twitter. She embodies leadership at its best, avant-garde in her thinking, and an activist in the realm of well-being in the workforce, and is a seeker of authentic excellency. The controversy around Maya being in the tech world, yet understanding that her employees are human beings and not robots, makes her stand out that much more. And it is my real pleasure to have her on our show today. So without further ado, Maya, welcome to the Emotional Inclusion Podcast. What a lovely intro, Molly. Thank you. I'm privileged to be here. And it's really exciting. It's a topic that's so close to my heart. And um, thank you for the opportunity to, to talk to you more about it today. And I meant every word, Maya. So let, let's, uh, let's dive in. Um, so your, your CEO uh, at Twitter, Jack Dorsey, uh, has recently instilled a, a permanent uh, work from home measure. And it's led you to rethink inclusion in a very big way. Could you please tell us what that meant for you at Twitter? Yeah, there's, there's two parts to this story. 
very recently, Jack talked about uh, very publicly the fact that we wanted to make the choice of choosing to work from home permanently for our employees should their job allow and support that. And this it comes on the back of us having spent a few months working from home and learning how to do that at, on the back of COVID and ironing out the kinks around um, what we deal with in this new reality. The other part to the story is that we've been on a journey uh, around decentralizing our workforce for about 18 months. And the early thinking uh, pioneered really by Jack in the early days and then embraced by the leadership around the company has been around the desire to have employees and people who want to be a part of Twitter and want to be a part of the employee base to have the option to work from any part of the world and not having to make a choice between the company they would like to work for versus the community they would like to be based in. And this has been really our, our driving mission to, to think about decentralization. And, and while over the past 18 months, we've been putting in uh, processes and, uh, and you know, um, tools to enable people to work effectively in a remote fashion, we had the best, well, it's hard to say best in the context of COVID, but in the backdrop of an unprecedented global pandemic, we found that we had to prove our test case of whether employees can actually work remotely and yet feel as connected to the company and feel in a way that they fully belong and that the company was being fully inclusive. And so that's really the backdrop to the story now. I have to say that although we had planned and had a bit of a leg up thinking about decentralization from a tools and processes perspective, one of the things that we had to think very deeply about during COVID was how do we help people feel a sense of wellness? How do we help people feel a sense of connectivity to the fabric of the company um, and deal with the stress and anxiety of not only the pandemic, but also from feeling somewhat disconnected from each other as a group, as an employee base. And so that's a lot of the work that has, uh, has happened and in a way, you know, needs to happen. Uh, and, and COVID has been uh, a nice forcing function for us to really do more in this area. So co COVID is the obvious catalyst, but why, why did Twitter decide to strongly encourage employees to work from home? I mean, was there a deciding factor or event that, you know, was aside from, again, the obvious uh, COVID catalyst? Yeah, I think you think about our users who use the platform, right? They are all over the world. And there are things, there are ways in which they use the platform. There are uh, products or there are features or there are things that they would like and desire to have that are very relevant across the world. So if you really think about that, it is, it behooves us as a company to have a vision, to have a workforce that in a way mirrors where all the conversations on the platform come from. For us to be sensitive, to connect what we do and what we build, to be true to the communities that we serve uh, as user bases. And so at a very large level, that's the case to be made for, for um, that's one case to be made for really having a, a globalized and a decentralized workforce. But the other part of this is that 
we often find employees who are making choices between, hey, I'd love to live closer to my extended family. I'd love for my kids to grow up knowing their grandparents, spending more time with them, et cetera. But, oh, well, I have to move to a city or a country because I have this, his, this amazing job at Twitter. And, and it's a choice. And, and you sort of feel like employees have to, uh, have to choose their you know, personal life, community versus job and versus career often. And wouldn't it be an amazing thing to be, to not have to choose? And, um, and, and, and what would that do for each of our well-being as a, as a human being? To re- live a much fuller life and to be able to bring our fuller, happier self to work. And, um, and that's, and that's the, the other dimension of thinking about this, right? One is the people who we serve as a community and being true to them. And second is our employee base and being really empowering of them having a full life. We are a technology company. If anybody can do this easily, it should be us, right? Right. No, it's, fa- it's fascinating. And I, I think the, the, the environment in, one, in which one lives in is obviously... Uh, key to one's well-being and uh, what you're allowing your employees to do to effectively stay within their communities uh, where they feel whole um, and happy, uh, I'm sure will, uh, you know, at the end of the day, contribute very strongly and positively to your overall bottom line. Happy people makes for overall happy results. Uh, So, I'm curious because you have a, uh, so you are piloting emotional inclusion uh, in the workforce as we speak at Twitter, and you have um, a trained uh, doctor on board called Dr. Candace uh, Schaffer. I hope I'm saying that properly. Am I? Yeah. Candace Schaefer. Candace Schaefer. Got it. Okay. So Candace Schaefer. And so she's your medical doctor on board, and she addresses all matters ranging from health, safety, wellness, but wellness, as you were saying, through counseling versus fitness awareness um, at Twitter. And so this is very much an experimental phase with the backdrop of uh, COVID with staff living away from home cities and living in small flats and with all the whole physical distancing matters that we are all living through right now. I'd be curious, and I'm sure our, our listeners are too, um, as to if you, as to your sharing with us how Dr. Schaefer's hiring was received amongst your employees, and and if you could perhaps share a few positive outcomes that you've recorded so far. Yeah, I'd love to. We're super excited to have Dr. Candice um, on board. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist, has practiced over a decade in. Um, in both public medical infrastructure settings as well as private practice. And then she's actually pivoted her career to move into corporate technology to be able to build um, wellness programs and resiliency programs. At the start of it, she focused her effort on, um, on building resiliency for programs for employees who in the tech world are exposed to sensitive content. And, and therefore it takes a toll on their um, on their you know, mental health and well-being. We brought Dr. Candice over at Twitter uh, to lead global employee wellness. So she's the head of wellness globally for us. And, and her role really is to be the subject matter expert and the leader of programs 
to systemically think about employee wellness on a few different fronts, right? So it's, it's resiliency programs for stress relief or anxiety relief for also tackling any major life challenges that someone might go through, but also thinking about financial well-being and a few other things like building a healthy dietary lifestyle or a healthy lifestyle in general, you know, and, uh, and, and, and thinking about building practices like meditation that could help make stress relief not a one-point thing, but rather a, a way of life. And so it's, it's a fairly holistic approach to wellness that, um, that we're trying to build out under the leadership of Dr. Candice. Now, some things that have, that have been put in place, which I've, which I've found incredibly useful for our teams and for our employees, we, we started with a partnership with Modern Health. So Modern Health provides uh, counseling, coaching, and education services to our employees now through our partnership with them across the world and it can be it's really discretionary and it can be for at any point right it can be for a personal issue or it can be for something like covid and i don't know how to, to tackle that the second piece that we've done is we also realized that that when you think about um uh you know these wellness programs a single person sitting in one location has to have arms and legs around the company to be able to really enable that embracing and adoption in, in our local virtual communities now. And so we have, we've set up a wellness, uh, employee wellness champions is what we call them. So we have about 50 employees around the world who are now the champions and who, are, who form an extension of all of our wellness programs to really you know, draw people into it, um, get them to get involved and, and really embrace uh, proactive wellness programs. The third piece we realized is that mental health is clearly a very, very big part of the, the discussion today around, you know, just making sure that employees are thinking about mental health. It can sneak in, challenges there can sneak in, you don't talk about it, it gets, you know, and it builds up over time. And so for, for mental health, and particularly we built an allyship program locally where 10% of the company signs up to be trained to be an owl. An owl essentially to be a pure support for people who are uh, perhaps going through some mental health issues, but they're embedded deep into the employee groups and employee companies. So it's been very it's been very heartening and, and uh, amazing to see what works and what doesn't, um, especially as you get into different countries and different cultures. Embracing of things like counseling can also be sometimes a challenge because people are people have to fight through their own perceptions of what counseling is for to make it more acceptable. So it's a journey. Uh, I think we're, we're, we've had a good start. I feel good about having someone who's leading this in the company who provides a lot of credibility and, and really thoughtful leadership. Um, but it's a journey. We're learning as we go, and I'm sure we will continue to evolve. But it's, it's fascinating to hear you talk about it as you are currently piloting it, um, piloting this emotional inclusion mindset at Twitter. And you know, I think that having a trained therapist who understands the culture of the company in which, you know, he or she is, is key 
uh, when being able to really give the proper tools to the employees that, again, this, this trained therapist is seeing to really, um, to really further excel in a way that is, is properly steered and, and adapted. So I, I think it's, it, it's fantastic. So we both agree that emotional inclusion is really a, conver a conversation that has to be uh, had when it comes to demystifying employee emotional well-being in the workforce. What do you think it will take to effectively remove the socio-professional stigma around it, if I may call it that way? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think there couldn't be a more important debate and discussion to be had publicly than emotional inclusion, especially in the backdrop of what the world is going through today, um, but also mental health. Uh, and, and particularly the mental health aspects of emotional inclusion. And I think there's, there's, as with any uncomfortable conversation, if you will, if you want to call it an uncomfortable conversation because there's a stigma attached to it, um, it has to be modeled right from the top. Right. right? You, you have to have leaders make it okay and give psychological permission for their employees and for their teams to have an open conversation about it. Um, I had a I had a really good friend and colleague uh, at Twitter who who for a while you know me and uh, other colleagues we didn't know that uh, this person was going through a lot of anxiety related issues and when this person actually came out and publicly tweeted about it in order to build awareness um, there was a sea change of stories in our own community around us pouring out talking about you know, this anxiety does affect me too, or I do get stressed from that. And it is, it is very powerful to be able to get these stories out and to be able to openly have a conversation. One of the things I have had to do during COVID is, is talk very openly about the days that I'm absolutely overwhelmed. Um, you know, eight hours of video calls is overwhelming. And, and then going, going on and thinking about how I manage my kids' homework and uh, homeschooling, it, it's overwhelming. But I had to publicly almost tell everybody I'm taking the day off tomorrow just as a mental health day. Um, even if people weren't, you know, thought, I don't need to know if you're taking a day off, but, but the statement counts, right? Um, and encouraging people to, to have that ability to say, Hey, I'm having I'm having a tough day. I'm going to take a day off just for mental health, and that's my wish. That's my wish for our industry and for our world for us to be able to have that open conversation and say, "This is what I need. I'm going through something tough. I just need to either talk to someone or I need to take some time off, and it should be completely okay." I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think we need to uh, to hear more stories, and as you said, it it has to be you know, that, if you will, environment of open receiving for these stories needs to be instilled at the top. Um, so there is a lot of power, of course, in employees coming out and speaking up about, about what they're going through. It creates a real snowball effect and creates a movement where people and leaders effectively can't shy away from it. Uh, the problem is, is of course, when the leader doesn't see the relevancy of the subject matter. And so what would be your take on that to change their perceptions about the fact that 
no, this is this is this is obviously this is a real matter. This is this is not some sort of you know fluff or however it is that you want to call it. This is this is um, a, this is a part of our reality that on a corporate level, if we do not address it, it's going to um, penalize us one way or another. You're absolutely right, and it is it is incredibly sad that 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 statement of yours of leaders not necessarily giving it its due attention or thinking that it is a serious enough topic to talk about it does exist today around us if we're candid, right? And I, and I, I think, yeah, and I think if you think about it, it goes back to, you know, it ties to me in my mind to another part of leadership, another strain of leadership, which is being vulnerable. Yeah. And essentially, um, leaders still today have a hard time being vulnerable and being open about talking about things that are either impacting them or makes them supposedly look not as strong outside. But if, if leaders were to embrace vulnerability, my belief is that they will be able to receive the vulnerability of their employees with equal grace. And so there is a little bit of sort of root causing that we have to do around leadership traits and what we celebrate. And there's a lot of conversation around vulnerability of leaders in, in, in press and in, in um, business school studies today. But the, the act of talking about it versus the act of doing it is the, the journey is hard. Mm. Right. And so my, my ask to leaders around the world would be start there because the minute you are able to be more vulnerable, you will not judge another person's vulnerability. So I think that's one aspect of it. The other aspect, if you sort of zoom back and look at it from a corporate perspective, the more and more companies start to make emotional inclusion and, and um, supporting mental health of employees a priority, it will be employee, employees will have the currency to choose who they go work for and where they spend their time, right? We all spend an inordinate amount of hours in our day at work and working. And um, I think we're seeing more and more employees speaking up and standing up at their various companies around the world for what they believe in and what they want. And that is going to be the currency of the future. And so that's the, that's the business question to ask ourselves as leaders, is that something we're worth, is it worth risking that our employees might walk out and choose a company that uh, is more supportive of such an environment to work for? Um, and so I think it's a smart human decision, but also a smart business decision. And I think both of those need to, need to be important to consider. I love exact, I love all that you say, and it really goes to that exact point that there is that unspoken notion that vulnerability within the realm of leadership basically breeds complacency and it's actually the complete opposite i couldn't be more aligned with all that you say and it's music to my ear so what does building unique muscles as a leadership company mean to you in the context of emotional inclusion you know, I think I think for me the, the the perfect utopia in a workplace is when every single one of us feels like we belong um, and and fully belong. And I'll I'll tell you a fun story. I, I early in my career, I always had a work personality and a home and my personal life personality. 
and people around me who weren't like that, I would envy. And I would say, you know, how do you do that? You know, how do you have the same conversation in, in, in both worlds? And it took me years, in all honesty, to get to a point where those two started merging, right? And, and, and I still think it's a journey. If I have to be incredibly honest, that is still a journey. There's still parts of me that maybe don't flow in both ways. Um, but it's a very conscious journey to, to get both those sides united. Because then I will feel like I can be exactly who I am personally at work with no modifications required. And then I fully belong, both, you know, because of my race, my gender, my religion, all of that, but also because of who I am emotionally with, with no judgment. So I think that's the, that's the utopian vision of, of emotional inclusion or inclusion in general for me is the sense of belonging in such a way that you don't have to change yourself one way or the other. And it's a, it's, it's a long journey. Uh, I will I will not say that I've I've conquered that fully, but I, I definitely feel like the years have made it easier to have conversations, to be myself a lot more at work, and for my colleagues to know me just for who I am. And if all of us could be that, that's that's what a wonderful scenario that would be. But that requires a ton of um, thoughtful planning, both from a company and culture the choices you make of how we will work, who we will hire, and also the, the leaders and what they need to model to make that happen. It, it, is it a priority for the leader to try and make sure that people belong? Uh, or that, is that 10th on the priority list that you maybe get to? I love what you say, Maya. And, uh, and it, it couldn't be more true that ultimately bringing your personal self, i.e. yourself at home and your work self and have the, the two merge into basically who you are. It's, it's, it's coming back to that authenticity pillar that at the end of the day is, you know, fundamental if we want to live rich, wholesome lives and and I and I think that um, living any differently indeed is um, is a fallacy people pick up on it anyways right people just they feel if you're you know playing a role or if you know you're just trying to stick it out for the sake of sticking sticking it out on a business level and they just uh, we're emotional beings we feel and so I I I love what you're saying about keeping to our, our authentic selves throughout in order to, to enhance uh, productivity uh, on a leadership level. Where do you think companies will be heading if they don't look at emotional inclusion seriously? You know, I, I think the road without emotional inclusion can be problematic, right? If you don't enable a holding space as a company for open conversation, for you know, for debates in a lot of ways to happen to collectively as a group, as an employee base, to get to a point of defining what an emotionally inclusive environment they can all commit to holding up. Um, this is not something that just is a rule that you put in place and everybody has to abide by. It's a journey that people 
the employees and the leadership have to go through collectively to get there. Um, and I think there is important elements of that around conversation, debate, but really thoughtful, thoughtful uh, putting together of um, training, education, principles, enablement at the right time to form that. Now, if companies don't embrace it today, I think they run the risk of you know, an unhappy employee base, debates that go out of control, um, factionism within, within the company. And ultimately, you want to spend more time being aligned to a mission and purpose and vision of the company and moving forward rather than, rather than be marginalized, fractionalized. Uh, it's not healthy for the success long-term of the company itself. Um, so I think business success and emotional inclusion are actually very highly correlated from a medium to long-term perspective. So it also, it also needs a medium to long-term view around thinking about what's the right thing for the business and what are the investments that are needed to make emotional inclusion happen. Gosh, Maya, I, I could speak to you for hours. I, um, I'm literally drinking up your words here and um, they're giving me goosebumps and I, I just thank you so much uh, for coming on and at your leadership level, you're helping pave the way in the interpretation of emotional inclusion in the workforce. And you're really bringing forth the importance and urgency of the subject matter out in the open. So one day our children get to live in a world where emotional inclusion in the workplace is a status quo. We will for sure all remember you as an early uh, activist. Maya, where can people connect with you and continue to engage with you and your ideas? Molly, it's so, so good to be here, so good to talk to you emotionally on the topic of emotional inclusion. I am on Twitter at Maya underscore Hari, or uh, people can find me on LinkedIn uh, as uh, under Maya Hari, and uh, I'd love to continue the conversation there. Perfect, perfect. So as we near the end of this conversation, uh, I would like to ask you this final question. If you could leave our listeners with one key takeaway from your instituting emotional inclusion at Twitter, what would it be? The, the mission and the goal is hashtag until we all belong. Mm. And, um, and that's, that's what we're driving towards. And it's the journey, not the destination. Uh, that makes that so sweet. But hashtag until we all belong. So that would be a perfect tweetable, uh, tweetable phrase. So I love it. There you go. I have, to, I have to embrace being a leader at Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you once again, Maya, for agreeing to come on the Emotional Decision Podcast with me. Your forerunner mindset is a breath of fresh air, and I truly hope that our audience will take in the advice and insight you have provided with us today. Friends, if this content is delivering value to you, and if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe, go to iTunes, Spotify, rate and review us that helps us build this community and that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to make emotional inclusion in the workforce a new norm and your rating and reviewing really helps with that thank you again so much for tuning in and until next time my friends be bold and be brave Thanks for listening to my conversation today. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you have a chance, 
please rate and review, hit subscribe to receive new episodes, and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime, you can check out emotionalinclusion.com slash the podcast.